0: What's up, everybody? It's Cardinal Mason and Chase Diamond. I'm doing this intro because I love talking and Chase is very humble. Um, we had an idea to do a new little series called the Diamond Download because there's so much that Chase has to say when he's when he's down to talk. And um, I think it'd be a great idea for us to do some video and, and talk about the relevant things that are happening in our world. What do you think about that, Chase?
1: Dude, let's do it. And I think you've got a couple of surprise topics. So this should be fun.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna open with a little segment that I titled um Two monkeys blabbing, um, because we both don't really know a whole lot about this, but I really want to talk about how Facebook screwed everyone. Um, in you know, in classic Reddit fashion, can you explain, like, I'm five, what happened uh, to everyone's ad account and why they just overspent?
1: Yeah, as an email guy, I know a little, little bit about what I've seen on Twitter. This has been all over my feed the past few days since it's happened, but from what I understand, this has been the largest overspending on ads that us or any agency partners have ever seen. From what I understand, around midnight or 1am a a couple days ago, Facebook, for some reason, spent all of the budget within minutes or within an hour. So all the budgets for the entire day that was supposed to be spread out and paced just skyrocketed and went through the roof all at one time. And brands and agencies are very confused and very upset and very unsure on how it's going to be handled and processed. So praying for our clients that they all get refunds in the amount that was overspent, but you never know how this goes. So it's, it's very unfortunate. W- what do you know about this?
0: I only know what Nick Shackleford has tweeted. <laughs> That's all I know, dude. All my, my Facebook knowledge literally in general comes from what Shack tweets. Um, I saw a headline about how like meta was being, there was like, it was like, I saw a number that was like 700 million lawsuit maybe does that have anything to do with this or is that a different thing
1: crazy i mean that would have been a really quick turnaround for a lawsuit so no yeah. clue but if they don't right. handle this like, i got to imagine there's going to be some issues i mean dude like spending that much money that quickly and just blowing up the cpms from what i saw like it already was bad as is and this is just like next level there has to be a bug or something that had to happen like that's it's not okay
0: do you think that it's going to turn anyone away from Facebook or is Facebook always going to be sort of like the, the king of advertising for like D2C brands specifically?
1: Yeah. You know, I think unfortunately for like the foreseeable future, people's hands are tied. I think like Facebook, Instagram, I guess meta as they call it now, it's still hard to get used to. Like it's really the place to spend your money. I'd say probably 60, 70% of our brands are spending all their budget there um, or, or majority of their budget, I guess I should say. And then obviously people are looking at things like TikTok and Snapchat and you know paid search, but most of the social spend from what I've seen has been there because over the years it's been really good. And obviously over the past couple of years it's been kind of a hit or miss, which is it's interesting. And in the line of work that we do, this stuff doesn't really happen, right? You're not spending all your budget or sending all your emails by accident in a in a day on a clavio or a Sendlane or something. So it's very uncharted territory, I think, for both
0: of us. Thank goodness, dude! Email is the safest thing to do. We can do our thing, um, and you know, Facebook can stay over there. It's too too many things that can go wrong when you're working with Facebook. Email is like the worst thing that happens is like people unsubscribe. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing there's nothing really that bad that can happen. Um, I think that's really all we're qualified to say on Facebook. Is that agreeable? Agreed. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Um, so, you as an agency owner, Chase, you have insight into hundreds of different. You know DTC brands. Um, What would you say are the traits of the most successful brands? And like, what are some of the brands that you think are like crushing it right now for good reason?
1: Yeah, I think like the biggest thing that I've seen brands do well is they really humanize the brand. They find the personality, or they find a way to communicate what the brand stands for in a way that either gets people to say, "Hey, yeah, this is me. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm for this." Or on the flip side, right, it's a little bit polarizing the fact that brands, you know, turns people away and people typically are like, this isn't for me. So there's a client that we used to work with called, formerly called Nugs. I think, as you mentioned before, it was called Stimulate. And I know you were the copywriter on that account. So you'll be able to speak to this more in a minute. But what I love about them is they were just so ridiculous and outlandish and fun and playful and just crazy. And they really took, I think, like brand and affinity and community to the next level. But they did some spicy chicken nuggets launch where like you had to, you know, have the notification on, on Instagram and then you had to subscribe to their OnlyFans. And this was like when OnlyFans was like kind of trendier and kind of funny and, you know, obviously like doing a chicken nugget alternative or whatever it is on an OnlyFans. It's just it's just ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. they did countless other emails that I know you were a part of things where it's like this nugget trail where like you literally would scroll down your inbox and we'd have like this zigzag of emails. Um, about nuggets, like they'd just be images of nuggets. And at the very bottom, it would say something like, Hey, if this was funny and wasted your time forward this to a friend as well, that might get a kick out of it. And then you, you worked on a couple emails, which I'll let you speak up in a minute. But just what I love about them is they were uniquely themselves. They had this voice and this personality that allowed people to be like, Oh, I really dig this. And at the end of the day, they happened to be a chicken nugget company. But I think That's not why people buy. People buy because they really vibe and dig with the company. But I think that was one. I think another one was Olipop, right? The the beverage company. And I think what they've done really, really well, other than the product's good, is they have really great customer service, really great customer support, and they own their mistakes and they go above and beyond to help people, which really builds a lot of trust. It kind of is similar to Amazon in a sense where like you buy an Amazon and someone messes up, you know that Amazon is going to have your back they're always customer centric. And I think the brands that are customer centric and put the customer first, it doesn't matter what they sell, whatever they produce, people are going to buy. What are your thoughts? And can you speak to some of the emails
0: about nugs that you worked on? Specifically with nugs? um, By the way, I remember that the one with the trail Um, that was it. That one went down in history. Like it's kind of like a silly email. Like it wasn't super, but like, I remember it performed really well for some reason in Nugs' account. And we ended up duplicating that same thing and just like cloned it across like five other accounts, at least that I was on. So I remember that, um, that one was a bit of a trendsetter. Um, I, I think like the thing with Nugs and with Olipop and all these brands, it's like, they obviously have a good product, but I think the most important thing is that the brand represents a type of person that you would want to be friends with. Yes. Like not at, this, at the time that I was working for them, they were kind of edgy and immature and silly and funny. And like, you you look at them and you're like, I would be friends with that person if they were a person. Same with Olipop. like Olipop's really chill and kind of um, like laid back. It's the type of person you want to be around. And so when you find your people, The people that are going to be buying from you are the people that just straight up like you because they like you, not because your product is great. Even though that obviously is an important part of it, but that like, that's kind of why you have all these creator brands right now. Like everyone loves Mr. Beast. Children love Mr. Beast. My grandma watched a Mr. Beast video one time and she sent it, she emailed it to me. She was like, check this out. I was like, I've seen this. This is like a five-year-old video, (laughs) you know, Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why Mr. Beast can sell literally anything to his audience and make seven figures in the first two days. You know?
1: Yeah, I think on that note, like when brands put people first and their campaigns are focused on, right? Well, there's a couple of things that people focus on uh, selling, education, entertainment, et cetera. I think Nugs had a really interesting strategy where it was focused on entertainment, but also selling kind of indirectly, right? And I think certain things like the exclusivity, I remember when they did the Spicy Nugs launch. They really hyped it up and they really produced a bunch of content about it. And they only did a thousand, I think, boxes or a thousand, whatever it was, quantity. And I think that also drove a lot of demand. It was also something that celebrities got behind and they would send boxes to celebrities and just, they had like the social proof. So I think the community, humanizing of the brand, really putting people at the center of it, right? You sell products, but when you put the people first... What regardless of what you sell, the people are going to buy the stuff that you sell because they love you and they want to support you. And you happen to have a good product. So I think that's so important. And I think one thing that you actually have done pretty well with Copy MBA, the copywriting course, and some of the brands that you wrote for is you just added a really nice sense of humor. And you've given the brand a persona and a personality that most brands otherwise don't have. Or if they do, and I'm I'm kind of, you know, guilty of this, it's a little bit more vanilla. I don't ever want to say anything that like gets people upset. Like I'm very optimistic and uniting. I'm not polarizing. But I think when brands take a stance for better or for worse, it really creates like this cult and this tribe. And I think they're a brand that's kind of created a cult for lack of a better word.
0: It's funny you mentioned that because I remember when we first started the idea of Alex in My Inbox, one of the side benefits of it was obviously you get to do a cool, funky newsletter that like is kind of different from what you're normally doing. But like if you ever want to express an opinion you over your newsletter, you can do it through Alex, which is me. So like, I can say it and I'll take the heat. And if anyone ever is like, Chase, this is really mean, bro. You shouldn't have said that, bro. You can be like, well, it wasn't me, it was Alex. Because it was, you know what I mean? So like, you still get to have a stance. But I mean, you've crafted a personal brand where people just trust you more than anything. Like, there's a lot of things I sacrifice by being a little bit of an idiot on social media. <laughs> like, this like I would never have a B2B audience of people like Al- Alex from level. That's your audience. But I think we have a cool combination between the two of us of like, you have nailed B2B. Everyone who like owns a business Wants to be your friend and you have more millionaires that want to meet you than anybody else. I have a bunch of high school kids that think I'm <laughs> you know interesting, which is cool and you know profitable. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, um, you gotta pick and choose what you want to pursue. Um, on that one, note,
1: one last, let's talk- yeah, one last thing, actually, on on the outset, I think one of the biggest eye opening for me is well, I obviously still push back at times, like, ooh, Mason, this isn't really PC, this isn't what I would say. He goes, it's not you, it's Alex. And I think for the reason that like, it's so ridiculous and funny and outlandish, but through the copy and through the way that it's written and through the direct, obviously lessons, but the indirect lessons, I think so many people have picked up and read between the lines. And I think it's become probably the top, if not one of the top three, you know, newsletters and series that people mention that they look forward to because you just don't know what you're going to expect and you keep people on your toes. So I think like good copy really plays into like that psychology of like, a just being like funny and ridiculous and crazy, but also Pete, like B, every week people have no clue like what they're gonna get when they open like Pandora's box, aka Alex's box. Um, and even when I read it, like it's it's just really funny. It's almost like a sitcom. And to be able to teach people through a way that makes them laugh and makes them slightly uncomfortable. Uh that that's been a really interesting eye-opener that I've taken from kind of this series. But sorry, the, the last point that you're gonna say.
0: Yeah, because I know you're on a timeline. I know you got a bunch of babies that need uh need their dad. Um what it, what talk about the benefits of having a newsletter because I'm a bit of a, a doomer online. I think that, you know, if you're building a business involving yourself in a presence on social media, anything can go wrong. You can get shadow banned or completely banned off any platform at any time for any random reason. And I I've been really sort of romanced by the idea of a newsletter. Your newsletter is massive. Tell us some of the benefits that you've seen by growing and in, in you know, monetizing a newsletter.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously super bullish on social. As an email guy, we need traffic. We need leads. The work that we do is only as good as that. So I use things like my Twitter and my LinkedIn to drive you know, tens of thousands of people every couple of months to, to drive to the newsletter. But the newsletter is the asset. The newsletter is the holy grail. That really gives you the license to print. When I think about like campaigns I'm going to run for courses or whatever it might be that I want to talk about, social, obviously a post there, post to all the social platforms. But, you know, depending on the day, depending on what I post, a half a percent of people might see it, maybe 10% of people might see it. It really runs the gamut. And there's just way too much variability. I don't know what that's going to produce. Whereas with email, I've been running my newsletter now for about three years. You know, my open rate every send is between, you know, 45 and 50%. And it skews slightly, but it really doesn't skew that much. And my click-through is always typically between 1% to 3%, sometimes more. Um, but off very infrequently, ever less. So I know with a high degree of probability and certainty what my newsletter is going to produce. And for every time I do a launch, I have special codes. I have a code for Twitter, a code for LinkedIn, a code for SMS, a code for email. And I really track back at the revenue. And my email typically does three, five, seven X the revenue of all the other channels typically combined. For sure on a per channel basis, it outperforms, even though my newsletter, I don't know, it's 60, 70,000 people. My Twitter is 110,000 people. My LinkedIn is 200,000 people. So all things considered, it's smaller in aggregate, but the value of it's so important because A, I think you build a lot of trust. B, people are used to seeing my name in their inbox. And I think over time, people get excited about it. And then C, you just have so much personalization. You can be a little bit more direct along their form that I can say things about whatever that's relevant to person A versus person B. And it just lands better. Whereas with social you're kind of casting a large kind of wide net. It's hard to really be specific and and personal. So I think anyone that's building an audience online, you have to have some kind of lead magnet or newsletter that you drive people to because algorithms change. One of the biggest changes over the past, you know, 30 to 45 days has been LinkedIn's algorithm. I was doing about 5 million impressions a week on LinkedIn, just absolutely crushing. And now I'm still doing decent, but I'm doing 2 million. So I'm, I'm obviously sad and upset. I'm down, I'm down bad. Um, and I know you could probably speak to in a minute, TikTok, dude, for three to six months, everything you posted was going viral. You have 300, followers on TikTok, millions of views per videos typically. Um, and, and that changes. So the, the evolution of social is that algorithms change, preferences change. Whereas with email, that is the direct access to someone's inbox. And sure, there's you know different filters and there's spam and there's folders. But if you're a good sender and people want to hear from you, you have a license to print money through the asset of an email list.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, I think that TikTok is one of those high risk, high reward platforms where, you know, like what happened in November for me was I I went from hundred and fifty thousand uh followers to like three hundred and fifty thousand in about four weeks. Wow. Um I was getting like, you know, some videos were getting as high as three to five million views. One got up to like almost eight million. Most of them were on average getting between one to 500,000. Like that, that was like a baseline. Um, And then, you know, that stuff kind of, maybe it's on me. Maybe I did something wrong, but it seemed like after the new year just started to change. Um, But I mean, the good news is that you don't really need a massive audience to like build a good business based on social media. Like right now my views are way down. We're like my best video will do between 50 and 80,000. I've had one that got over a hundred thousand views recently, but I think that was an anomaly. Um, Most of my videos get between like, yeah, like 10 to 30,000. And I'm still getting like, you know, a bunch of free training signups, which equates to emails that I can use. Um, And it's between like a thousand and 1500 a week that I'm just acquiring. I could do this for, you know, a year and and have a crazy big email list that is an asset that I could use. You know what I mean? So I just got to keep entertaining these people and you, you can, choose a good vehicle. And even if you don't have a super strong presence on social media, you can really run it out.
1: Yeah, your your TikTok funnel, of taking people from TikTok and moving them off platform into trainings and email and then monetizing it is it, genius. And I mean, without sharing your numbers, your your numbers, I know they're, i see them, they're up way bigger than they used to be, even though your views are down. So I think when you own the asset and you own the attention, uh, especially in one where you can communicate directly and it feels more personal, AKA email, and obviously SMS is an asset as well. Um, You you just really can do a lot of things, uh, whether you want to promote your own offers, you want to promote other people's offers, whether you want people to hire your agency. Uh, So I I really think that email is the best channel for delivering personalized long form, short form content um, at at scale. Uh, it, It really is. I think Facebook and Instagram and those platforms, the targeting there used to just be kind of creepy and ridiculous. Now it's a lot harder to have that visibility. With email, I have three years. Obviously, some people joined a week ago. Some people joined three months ago. But for some people, I've got three years of data on them. I know, Mason, that you run an agency. I know that you are a founder of a course. I know what you've clicked on of mine. I know what you've purchased. I know what events of mine you've attended. And I even am able from some of the events to to nail down. Mason, listen to XYZ talk, right? You listen to a talk from Nick Shackelford on Facebook ads. Or you listen to this talk from Savannah. Like, I have so much data within my platform that I'm able to start curating and sending you content that I know you're going to like, because you've proven to like in the past. So going back to like email and also like why brands win is when you're able to build personas and deliver content to each people that feels really thoughtful at scale. That's like the name of the game. It's it's
0: game over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's It's honestly insane. Yeah. Three years of an email list is like it gets better as it gets more mature. Dude, the one thing I've realized too is that there are people that you can sell to for a year straight and they won't buy. And one random day after receiving a year's worth of sales emails about one thing, they'll finally buy. And you'll and you'll ask them, be like, yo, what did I, like, why did it take you a year? And they'll be like, dude, like, it was just good timing. It was just like, you know, it was just right at that time. And so you can, if you have an email list like that, like, yeah, you never know who's going to come out of the woodwork um and just you just nurture people forever bro you get that contact and they're in there for life they're never leaving unless they answer yeah.
1: i think with the way that the world is like you know recession concerns inflation up layoffs like it's going to take a lot more time and effort and trust to get people to buy uh, i think there's going to be fewer impulse purchases especially for some of the things that we do and we sell right courses that are 500 dollars 1000 dollars agency services that are thousands or tens of thousands of dollars I think the time in which people need to have a consideration and be able to feel comfortable is only extending, right? So to your point, like if someone's on your email list for three months or six months or 12 months and receives content from you ongoing, that's high quality, you better believe that the next time they need X, Y, or Z that you do, you're going to be top of mind and the first person that they're going to go to. So content and being everywhere, email and otherwise, allows you to stay top of mind. So that way, when people need something, you're the first person that they're going to need. And go to and kind of consult with. And that's why we're winning the work that we did six months ago is producing for us today. And that's kind of the longevity and the long form of building the personal brand and specifically a newsletter.
0: 100%, dude. I think you nailed it. All right. I guess that wraps it. Um, thanks for this uh, listening to this episode of The Diamond Download. Um, I think we killed it. <laughs> Second time to charm. Um, yeah,
1: this, this is great. Give us feedback, uh, hit us on social. Uh, you guys probably know my handles and his is Cardinal Mason on Twitter. Uh, tag us on Twitter, respond to the email that you get, drop a comment on this on YouTube. However, you know how to get a hold of us. Let us know if you like this. We want to do more of these. We want feedback and we want topics. If there's something you want us to cover, let us know and we'll do a rock, paper, scissors to see if we can cover it.
0: Sweet. Let's get it. Cheers.